0: Okay, it is so amazing to be in the front row and hear all your voices. (laughs) It's like this angelic choir. And just think, like when we get to heaven and when every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all believers from throughout, since Christ rose from the dead, that are saved and how we're all going to be together and and worshiping Jesus. It's just amazing. So that was just a, a little tidbit of that. I loved it. Well, I love seeing all your faces, too. And I have the privilege and honor of introducing our guest speaker, Lenya Heidzik. And um uh, Lena is not only an award-winning author and a speaker um uh, but she is a great Bible teacher and I um have been following her a little plug for her she, her the women's ministry back home is called She Ministries and um great podcast, great Bible studies. Um so make a note of that if you're a podcast listener um but she's got such a passion for the Lord, but also for women, and you will see that in, um, when she shares. And I just, as we prayed about who to invite, we really felt that the Lord impressed that it was Lenya this year, that the Lord wants to use her and speak through her mightily to you. And we have been praying over this time, and that, and for every woman here, whether you're um, someone from Calvary Vista, or you're a guest, or you're a family member, that tonight you will not leave without sensing the, whole, the Lord speak to you, because it's the power of God's word unto salvation, and it's at the power of God's word that transforms our lives. It's the power of God's word that gives us peace. So um, I also just um, want to say I, we're, we're thankful to have her daughter-in-law with us, also Janae, and um, if you follow She Ministries, you'll hear Janae teach, too, and they both rock, so pay attention to that. So um, it's my great privilege to introduce Lenya Heintzik. Thank you.
1: Okay, I'm falling in love with Denise. I don't know Rob, but I bet I'll like him too. Um, your church is awesome. Simply Jesus. Can't beat that as a sign. The team that Pinterested or did this. Are you kidding me? I've taken pictures of everything. I'm taking it home with me. No. So next year when I have a ladder candle... Christmas tree thing, then you'll know where I got it. It was from you amazing ladies here. And um, so thank you. It's just a privilege to be here. And um, you know what? I really felt your prayers for me this afternoon when I was studying. I mean, I was just so aware suddenly of his presence and certain things in my notes just like popped out. And I had this overwhelming sense that this is for now, now. I have a friend that used to minister in South Africa, and they have a word for now, as in, you know, sometime soon, and now, now. And so I think this is for the now, now. And um, I don't know, it's Stranger Things. It's not the upside down, but it's the now, now. And Stranger Things, nobody? Oh, okay. All right, I expected a little more out of that. Um, <laughs> but um, I have some true confessions. My name is Lenya Heitzig, and I am a stressaholic. And um, you know what? I have suffered with fear, depression, and anxiety. I've just named the unholy trinity. Anybody? Fear, depression, and anxiety? Okay, ladies. It just seems to be like our really Achilles heel as the female race. And I don't know when it started. Maybe it started when my parents divorced young. And I have so many fears that my fears have fears. At least that's how I used to be. Little Miss Much Afraid, okay? And um, so everything made me afraid. Not anymore. And you'll hear about that soon. But um, so I was trying to think about what anxiety, how do you describe anxiety? And really it's something you feel, right? More than you can describe. But it's kind of like when you break up with your boyfriend in high school. No, no high schoolers, Kyle? You ever break up with anybody? Um, And so when that happened to me, In high school, um, I cried forever. I lost weight. I think I might have thrown up. And I slept with like a four-foot Snoopy doll like this forever. And uh, until it was just embarrassing to do so. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your heart and your brain. Did you know that when someone breaks up with you or that kind of emotion, that um, it really does hurt? It's not just that your brain thinks it hurts. Um, it it really does hurt physically. There have been studies done that when that happens, it's like having the wind knocked out of you or getting gut punched. And um, so that's the deal. Women's Health Magazine says the area of your brain that lights up when you're physically hurt is the same part of your brain that lights up when you suffer social rejection. Okay, so maybe you never had a boyfriend um, break up with you, but you had mean girls at school or, you know, the cliques, and you had this social rejection. So I brought some slides, and um, this is a slide of your brain on stress and, and what it makes you feel like. And so, oh, there it is. See, relaxed... And then not relaxed. It's like stress really impacts your brain. And then your brain tells your body, I really do hurt. And um, so the text I'm sharing on tonight is John 14. And Jesus begins this text. If there was ever going to be a text that you could talk to someone with a troubled heart, it's this text. And the first verse says, do not let your heart be troubled. So, um, I named this lesson Dear Anxious Heart. So, this is a letter to you if you're a Dear Anxious Heart like me. And so, he focuses on this do not let your heart be troubled. And then he's going to go and give you four reasons why you shouldn't. But I want to talk about that yet. What I talk about is trouble. We've got trouble right here in River City. That's so old. Anybody out here? No, the music man. Thank you. I, I say thanks to Janae in the room. Do you think the young girls will know this, or is this just an old lady thing? So anyway, there's trouble, <laughs> and there's trouble in our lives. I'm trying to be relevant, okay? And um, <laughs> so trouble comes from a Greek word, terrazzo, which means, listen to this, agitated water roiling. Oh man, think of the ocean when it's just in turmoil. That's the word for trouble. It's when your heart's churned up. Have you ever made a step and you almost miss one, and you go, whoa. It's that same feeling, like of missing a step. So this is what the scripture is talking about. When Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. It can also mean worried, stressed, anxious. No stress out there? No worry out there? (laughs) So then this is probably for you. And um, so I was trying to help understand that. And I was searching things. I Google And I was Googling what anxiety feels like, and this girl caught it so strong that I'd rather let her say what it feels like than me describe what it feels like. So look at the screen for a second.
2: From the outside, it's easy to think that somebody's got it all figured out. Because my hair is curled and my cheeks are intentionally flushed, I must not have a care in the world. As if it were expected for my demons to be worn like a scarlet letter pinned to my chest. And they assume if you cannot see it, then it's not really there. As if pain does not exist unless you're bleeding or slung in a cast or staggering with a limp. But sometimes the most painful demons are the ones they can't even see. so we learn how to smile, how to grin and bear it, because nobody likes to talk about the tough stuff. I don't like to talk about the tough stuff. I have anxiety. It feels like every cell in my body is moving so fast that my veins are blurry, that despite the constant metronome of my heartbeat inside my ears, it's like listening to a spastic drumline feels like bees in my ears, like a broken white noise machine playing all of the sounds at once. And I don't even realize I'm gritting my teeth or cracking my knuckles or rubbing my forefinger against my pinky or twisting the gold band on my middle finger, holding to myself like I'm the only lifeline bridging the gap between reality on my own two feet and the atomically loud abyss of noises and sounds and feelings of fleeting rushing through my veins. And I'm avoiding eye contact. Not because I'm not listening to what you're saying, because I'm listening to the sound of my own voice, hoping that through your ears you can't hear that it's two octaves too high and on the verge of breaking because my palms are sweating and I somehow forgot to speak with anything behind my words other than insecurity. My anxiety feels like fire. Unexplainably hot and rash and frustrating as I gnaw the inside of my cheek as if the solution to this feeling is buried between my teeth and gums. It feels like drowning, but it feels like burning I imagine my feet moving with trails of dust behind them like those cartoons because somehow it feels like I'm moving faster than the 60 seconds they've allowed in a minute. All the while I'm just playing catch up on the stopwatch. And it doesn't add up like it did in high school mathematics. I can't carry the one and find the square root of the problem because most of the time there is no problem. There's no life or death situation. There's no rhyme or reason. There is just feelings and I'm feeling all of them at once. Some days are better than others. Some days are worse. But they're just days. And I've got more where they came from.
1: It's not as funny, is it? Because so many of us wear these masks, and we're avoiding the eye contact, and we're trying to do cover-up, and the inside we're just falling apart. And we live in a stressful world. I mean, there's just stress all around us, and sometimes that fear turned inward turns into anxiety, which turns into depression. And that's where some of us get caught. You know, the fact is, you could take away all the guns in the world, the gangs in the world, the governments in the world, and you could have world peace. But if you don't have personal peace, world peace isn't worth that much, is it? Because everything around you can be good like that gal says, but if inside of you there's no peace, there's no peace. Um, Did you know that psychology... Leads to physiology. In other words, what you think impacts how you feel. Feelings don't just happen, feelings come from what we tell ourselves, what we think about. And your thoughts will turn into feelings. And some of us feel like we are so victimized by our feelings, but you're really being victimized by your thoughts. And you got to be transformed by renewing your mind. you got to take those thoughts captive. There has to be a way for you to stop the downward cycle. Let not your heart be troubled is a command. Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. You've got to put up something. You've got to stop this. And then he wants to explain how. Solomon wrote, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The Christian Post reported that people with heightened activity in the region of their brain linked to stress have a higher risk for heart disease, stroke, and cancer because of the cortisol and adrenaline that runs through their system in a stress situation. Psychology impacts physiology. It will eventually catch up to you. I am a cancer survivor. Nine years ago, they found a tumor the size of a grapefruit inside my abdomen. I had to have big belly surgery. My bowels were resected. I went through chemo, and I was bald. And all of my doctors, my oncologist, my general doctor, my counselor said, get the stress out of your life. I'm an A-type. (laughs) And I'm a very organized, you know, multitasking. I never do one thing at a time. But I had to learn some new skills to not let my heart be troubled. And you may need to learn some of those skills, too. Did you know when the Bible talks about your heart? It talks about your heart. Heart and head in the Bible are the same. And some of us always think it's just this heart, you know, where the cupids live. But that's not true. What the Bible says about the heart, Nelson's Bible Dictionary says, The heart is the inner self that thinks, feels, and decides. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? but it thinks and it feels and it decides the thinking processes of a man are said to be carried out by the heart. Can you guys just learn to do this? This is my heart. (laughs) That's right. You guys want to think, Oh man, the heart wants what the heart wants. And it's just these enormous feelings and I can't control them. This is the heart. You can control your mind. You can control what you think, and when you control what you think, you can control what you feel. And the Bible is what you should be thinking about, and Jesus is what you should be thinking about. And when you think on these things whatsoever, true, pure, kind, of good report, noble, then that's when we will have peace in our hearts. (laughs) Hebrews 4.12 says, God's word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it penetrates, it divides between the soul the spirit and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, so that you know that what your brain does impacts your heart, I want you to see a heart that's on stress and a heart not stressed. So you can see how psychology impacts physiology. What you think impacts how you feel, and it impacts your physiology. That's pretty astounding right? You're killing yourself with that stress. You really are. Cognitive behavioral therapists say that our feelings arise from our thoughts and attitudes and judgments. That's why one person might like a Ferris wheel and someone else is terrified. It's what you're informing yourself about the situation. And I just kind of want you to connect that. About a month or so ago, Janae, I was driving, running errands. I got a call from my daughter-in-law, and she said, meet me on 4th and Montano immediately. Nathan's been in a motorcycle accident. That's my son, Nathan. He's about 30, 31? Okay. And um, so that feeling that I'm talking about, the sucker punch, the feeling like you missed a step, whatever, my heart sunk so quickly, and I just wanted to sob. And I'm like, okay, so I start driving to where she's driving and I'm crying. And then sometimes you get so stressed and you're crying, you want to throw up. Have you ever felt that way? I'm not kidding you. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to pull up and vomit on the sidewalk and this will help everything. And so she says, I have my two grandkids, her children with her. Come get them. I have to follow Nathan in the ambulance to the hospital. And when I pull up, there are... Rescue vehicles, flashing lights, and this is what it looked like as I rounded the corner. And I saw my grandchildren on the side of the road with Janae. We've discussed what this looked like. I'm going to stick with mine. It looked like she had a child, like, (laughs) bags of flour in each arm. And I pull in, and the door opens, and she just, boom, throws them into the car. She preferred a gorilla. She wants a mama gorilla with one on the front and one on the back. And the gorilla's coming up to the car. (laughs) And I don't think the gorilla's better. See, I just, I see this. Okay, so anyway, she throws them in the car. They fall in a heap. And they say to me, Mimi, my daddy's broken. And all of a sudden, I went... I cannot cry. I cannot throw up. I cannot do anything. I cannot panic. I'm here for those grandchildren. So Janae jumps in her car to follow the ambulance. I can't go with my son because now it's, you know, her job. So the kids are in the back. (laughs) And good luck with that. (laughs) Any mothers out there of sons? He still wipes his face with his shirt. No. So anyway, I digress. Um, So I have the kids in the back seat, and they're crying. And I go, okay, you guys, we need to pray. Let's pray. We're going to ask the Lord. And they're going, Mimi, Mimi is daddy, okay? Mimi, a million questions. And I'm trying to pray, and they're not praying. They're still crying. They're still doing it. all of a sudden, Seth goes, Mimi, I know we should pray. I go, that's a good idea, Seth. So Seth says to me, Mimi, we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask Jesus, is Daddy okay? Is Daddy okay? And so he says this beautiful little prayer, and he goes, and Jesus, heal my daddy, help the doctors, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus, is Daddy okay? Amen. Mimi, what does amen mean? I go, amen means I agree with you, Jesus. I agree on that. He goes, Mimi, do you agree? And I go, yes, Seth, I agree. Amen. And he turns to Katie, the younger, and she's, (laughs) and he goes, Katie, do you agree? (laughs) Katie, do you agree? Say amen. (laughs) Amen. And then he listens. He goes, Mimi, I can't hear what Jesus is saying. (laughs) And so we started singing. Jesus loves me. This I know. And so um, right there in that moment, I had a choice to act on my feelings or act on my faith. And your faith should supersede your feelings at all times. And I know this was a tough situation. But in this situation, I needed to be there for my grandchildren. Now, did my doing this stop the situation? Would it end the consequences? What it did was calm us. In that moment, we were able to sing, and we were able to go home, and we were able to go through that evening walking by faith as we waited to hear what would happen. Nathan broke a wrist, really skinned up his leg. His helmet was broken. He hit the front of the car. Skip's brother died on a motorcycle accident about at this age time. So getting this phone call was really hard. (laughs) But anyway, he's okay. The point of it is that you cannot let your heart be troubled because you have Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, don't let it be troubled. Believe in me. You believe in God. If you don't believe in me, believe in me for my work's sake. Because the works of Jesus verify the words of Jesus. The miracles let us know that he can do anything. And we're to cry out to him in faith. And these are the situations where we have to rein it in and bring it together. And that's what's happening here in the upper room. That's where we are. This is Jesus' last will and testament. The last few hours with his disciples and he knows he's leaving so he's going to give the best information if you're leaving if you know you're dying in a few hours and you bring your family in what you have to say is super duper important right these are the last things and this is what Jesus is doing and he says do not let your hearts be troubled that's where he begins so Seth and Katie we're in the car Seth and Katie and I have this routine every Wednesday we spend together. I pick them up from school, we do something fun, a hike to the river, crafts, mall, whatever. We come home, we make dinner together, we go in the hot tub, we take a bath, we do stories, we look at videos, we go to bed. It's a routine they know better than I do. And they're gonna do it. Mimi, what are we gonna do today? You know, and that kind of thing. So when we got home, that's what we started doing going through these routines. And each routine settled them more and more. And there's this idea for me that there's the ministry of presence, the power of presence. When you're alone and you're anxious and someone you love or know comes in the room, you can breathe, right? So in the hot tub, Katie's little body just melts like a noodle. She just starts, like, finally, you know, she's starting to relax. Well, Dr. James Cohen did a study, and he did this really interesting thing of contrasting a brain. They would hook a woman up to electrodes, and then they would do intermittent shocks, not letting her know when or when they were going to happen, and they would shock, and then they'd watch the brain. And they found out that the anticipation of the shock was as bad as the shock. That's what we call anxiety. We're waiting for the shock or the shoe to drop. And so then they thought, okay, let's take this a little bit further. What if we bring that woman's husband, good friend, mother in the room and let them hold hands? How will their brain act now? This is the slide of the brain that is holding hands or alone while being stressed. Isn't that amazing? There's power in the presence, and Jesus is present with you, and sometimes you have to acknowledge his presence and know that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Do not let your heart be troubled because Jesus is with you, and there's power in this presence. Jesus wants to interrupt the downward cycle of the panic in the disciples because he had just told them, I'm leaving. You're leaving. God is breaking up with us. All the way back to what does it feel like to have rejection? Jesus just said, I'm going. And you know where I go. And where I go, you're going to come too. And then in this upper room, they're like, we don't know where you're going. And we don't know how to get there. And so they're very confused. So imagine the disciples, everything they've ever needed, he has provided. He's given them everything. Money out of the fish. Loaves into fishes, bread out of stones. I mean, everything they've ever needed. And now Jesus says, I'm leaving? They're like, how are our needs going to be met? So he's saying to them, I may not be with you physically, but let not your hearts be troubled. Because even if you don't feel the physical presence of Jesus, it doesn't mean his presence isn't with you. And there's power in his presence. Amen. So, in John 14, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, And the way you know, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So four things that will help your troubled heart. Number one, he prepared a place for you to go. Number one, in my mother's, father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. Jesus starts by saying, heaven is a real place. I'm going there, and I'm going to take you there. You should settle in your mind that heaven is real. Heaven is described in scripture as a kingdom, an inheritance, a country, a city, and a home. Revelation 21 says the streets are paved with gold, the gates are made of pearl, and the walls are encrusted with jewels. I have to think, he literally means, that's what it looks like. And there was a man who was rich and he was dying, and he asked God, please, can I take it with me? No, you can't, you know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't bring it with you. And since this guy was a really good guy, God makes a concession. He says, okay, you can bring one suitcase. He dies the next day. He comes to St. Peter. You know, these things. And Peter goes, you can't take it with you. That suitcase is not coming in here. And he goes, check the books. God said I could bring one bag with me. And I'm bringing a bag. He goes, okay, let me just see what's in the bag. And he opens up the bag. And inside it is gold bricks, gold doubloons. And he goes, You brought pavement. (laughs) Okay. Heaven is a real place. I don't know if you guys remember Charlie Peacock from the nineties. I want to live like heaven is a real place. I want to live like heaven is a real place in my everyday time and space. I want to live like heaven is a real place you live like that? Heaven is more real than here. It's really, really real. Heaven is a real place. It's a physical place. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. And so when he says this, a mansion literally means a place of variety or grandeur. It's a metaphor that he uses for heaven. And it's literal. It's actual. He uses the term heaven five hundred and thirty two times in the Bible it's a real place many mansions is literally abiding place room or apartment now I hate to tell you I had to ask skip about this and he said we probably have apartments (laughs) not mansions and that was highly disappointing to me because I keep hearing I have a mansion man I'm waiting for the mansion And so I was like, an apartment? That's a downgrade. um, But it's kind of not. Uh, John describes the heavenly dwelling, the new Jerusalem. It comes down from heaven. And he says, In was in form a cube, and its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. That would be about 2,250,000 square miles, which would be 15,000 times bigger than London. This is roughly the size of the moon, except it's in a cube. So somebody tried to do a rendition of this. I don't know. It looks like third dimension of the, I don't know, encounters of the divine kind. I mean, I don't even know what that is. But that's really what the new Jerusalem looks like. Henry Morris guessed that 20 billion people could inhabit that in its dimension from scripture. 25% of the city, if you just use that for parks and roads or whatever, and then all the people that need to live there and you have these public spaces, it still leaves each person a cubicle block of 75 acres to call their own. Heaven is a real place and your apartment is ginormous. (laughs) And it's a multi-dimensional place, so I guess we can drive up and down and sideways and vertical, I don't know. Maybe we don't have to drive, maybe we fly, I don't know. But it's an amazing place. It's not just a real place, it's a personalized place. Jesus said, I'm going, but I prepare a place for you, Denise, for you, Debbie, for you, Janae. I prepare a place for you. It's a personal place. It's your place. It's your pad. It's your apartment that Jesus has gone to prepare for you. Does anyone watch those fixer-upper shows? Yeah, I know. You've got some of them that live here. Um, Who doesn't want a Joanna Gaines, Chip Gaines house? I mean, come on. Or the Property Brothers, those twin guys. I want one of those houses. Well, they get about 90 days to flip or flop. And Jesus has been up there 20,000 years (laughs) getting your apartment ready. So heaven is a real place and it's a personal place and it's a passionate place. It's called his father's house. It's your father's house. You're going to the homiest home you've ever known. It's your father's house. And your father, your heavenly father, says he loves you with an everlasting love. It's unending love. Love without beginning, without end. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says, The Lord has appeared to me of old, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you. And you will be rebuilt. Do you think you might be a flipper flop? Maybe God is rebuilding you for the house that he's building for you. That he's getting ready, getting you ready for this perfect place, this personal place, this real place. I don't know about you, but I could use some rebuilding. And the older I am, the more I realize the rebuilding that I need. So he gave a place to you to go, and he says, I gave a path for you to know. He goes, Where I go, you know, and the way, you know. The clock is ticking in the upper room. This is like right before Jesus is going to die. And instead of teaching them how to invest in Wall Street or how to get a better education, he's investing into their lives. The most important thing he has is those disciples, and he wants those disciples' lives. And three fire back. Peter, where are you going? Thomas, we don't know where you're going. Andrew, Lord, show us the Father. And some think maybe they're a little dim-witted. They're kind of slow on the uptake. But I'm grateful they asked the question. Because did you hear the answer? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father but by me. He gave a path for you to know. I am the way. Not a way. The way. The way to heaven. If you are lost, he is the wayfinder. You feel lost? Jesus is the way. He can take you all the way home. I am the way is everything epic. It is emphatic. It pulls out any other opportunity or religion to tell us how to create utopia. Jesus is the way, period. End of story. No caveat, no asterisk, no dot, dot, dot ellipsis. Jesus is the way. The truth is, you can't work your way You can't pay your way, you can't pray your way, you can't say your way to heaven. Jesus is the way. There is no other way, and Jesus makes it very clear. I've given a path for you to know, and he is it. I remember back in the day, Debbie, us Jesus freaks, who have been here a little while, we used to have the sign that was this. Do you remember what it was? One way. Look at this. Ah, That's Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee. And it was down at Corona Del Mar and we all used to go one way. Love you, sister. One way, man. Instead of peace, we'd always go one way. I want to bring it back. I want to bring it back. Anytime you see me, just go one way, Lenya. (laughs) One way. It's so awesome. Because Jesus is the way. Now, I don't know about you, but I am directionally impaired. Ask Janae. Every time I've walked out of the hotel room, I have gone the wrong way. In a hotel! So you just have to now picture on your freeways out here. It is just utter confusion. I have the GPS, right? Every time we get in the car, she says, you're the navigator. I pull it up, and she goes, which way do I go? And I go, I don't know. Because it doesn't tell you when you're in a parking lot. You have to be on the street. And then it says recalculating route. And I'm like, I didn't know whether to go left or right. So I go, Janae, when you hit the street, I'll let you know which way to go. (laughs) Because then Siri will tell me. So my sister and my mom and I were traveling and we were (laughs) in Europe and um, we were walking and we got lost. And so my mom and sister are holding me accountable for this lost date. (laughs) And they're like, where's our hotel? I'm like, I don't know, where's our hotel? (laughs) I mean, you know, this is not my skill set. And so they make me go in a grocery store, don't know where the hotel is. They make me ask passerbys, don't know where the hotel is. I go, oh, yeah, I got that GPS thing. Put it in there. We kept rocking the wrong way. We'd walk like a mile one way and then we'd go, oh wait a minute, sorry, it's this way. And <laughs> we were so confused until finally I say to another guy, do you know where this hotel is? He goes, yeah, it's right there. Okay, so if you need to find the way when you're lost, would you like a map or a man? I want Jesus Christ to show me the way because the GPS just doesn't work for me. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. He gave a path for you to know. Number three, why you should not be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He did great works to make his father glow. I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. If you don't think I'm the guy and I know the way, look at the miracles I've done. Don't those testify that I'm the way, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Zoroastrianism, or I don't know. Hinduism, which has like so many ways it's confusing. But Jesus is the way. And his works show it. And he's pretty much saying here, like father, like son. He is declaring that he is deity. That his works authenticate who he is. And he's also saying like, if you know me, you know the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's pretty much what he's intimating here. Know is used in Scripture 141 times. In, Go- in the Gospel of John, 141 times. It's a very important thing in the Gospel of John, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's why John wrote the Gospel. So you would know. So he goes, that you may know. I want to know. Now, know in Scripture has three different definitions. One is to just know a fact. The other one is kind of to understand the fact. And the third is to have a relational, intimate relationship with this knowledge. In case. I want to know Brad Pitt. (laughs) Like, I know who Brad Pitt is. Did you know he went to Shawnee High School? No, no. Shawnee, he was born in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and he went to Kickapoo High School. All right, so now I not only know who Brad Pitt is, I know stuff about him. So, right, I know him and I know things about him, but I don't know him. Right? Like, we're not buds, we don't hang out. That's where it draws the line. Jesus is saying you can know about Jesus. You can know the fact that Jesus is the son of God and he was born in a virgin birth and blah, blah, blah. But do you know Jesus? Amen, sister. (laughs) Do you know Jesus as your savior and your Lord and your God? Experientially a relationship with Jesus Christ that you may know him. Oh, man. Jesus said in John 17, just a little further in the upper room, this is eternal life, not the fountain of youth. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. The works of Jesus highlight the words of Jesus. What he says is true because of what he did. So he's done all kinds of works. Remember the woman who stretched out her hand to touch the hem of his garment? He is the wo- miracle worker. He turned water into wine. He cast demon out of swine. He gave sight to the blind He made a shriveled hand unwind. Do you think he can settle your troubled mind? Amen? Amen. 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 Jesus can do anything because he's a miracle worker. He performed 37 miracles that we know of. The ones that are written down. He did good works to make his father glow. So you would know that he came from the father. The Father is used 129 times in this gospel, and it should calm your heart to know that the God who created heaven and earth knows you by name. He counts the hair on your head. He collects your tears in a bottle. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He saw your frame when you were but dust in your mother's womb. He knows the end from the beginning. This Father knows you. That should bring such great comfort to us. Do you remember the lilies and the sparrows? Jesus said, consider the lilies. They bloom in the field. They don't toil. And yet they're better than Solomon's clothes. Do You see the sparrows. In Matthew six thirty one. do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek for it the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He knows what you need before you need what you need. Did you ever think what you need may be the thing that compels you to come to him so he can do a miracle? Do you think he ever leaves something in your life that is going to be a promoter, a provoker, something to push you toward him? Yes, he's your heavenly father. And the last thing, he gave you prayer so you would grow. He finally says to them in this upper room, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says in verse 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these. He will do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. The father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, this is like a blank check. I mean, God has given you a blank check. He's saying, okay, I might not be here to put gold in a fish anymore. I can't turn water into wine anymore with you. I'm not going to do this. But if you need anything, just ask. A little jingle. That's all. He says, you just need to pray and I'll provide it for you. He's saying, I'm going away. Whatever you need, just ask and I'll send it to you. The gap between where he is and where you are is closed by prayer. That's it. Where you are and he is, it's prayer. First, it removes the distance. He's right there. And second, it provides the need. Now, prayer is not like a magic abracadabra, a genie in a bottle. He says, if you ask anything in my name, let me explain what that means. In my name means according to my works, my words, my way. Name and nature are tied together. The nature of God is revealed in the name of God. I'll give you an example. My son is Nathan. If you go to my son in my name and say, Nathan, in the name of Lenya, I would like some crack cocaine, is he going to give it to you? I've never done crack cocaine. I don't really like getting high. As a matter of fact, I don't even really approve it. And it's illegal and very dangerous. So my son is never going to give you crack cocaine in my name. So what have you been asking God for that's not in his name? Not according to his word, his will, or his way. Because those things he may not answer. Some of you go, "Well, I've been asking God for X, Y, and Z, and he isn't giving it to me." Yeah, I know that feeling. Well, you saying he doesn't answer my prayers? I mean, might have because no is an answer. If no is a no for you, then you got to accept the no, unless it's a not now. So, he does answer our prayers. Um, This might eliminate the gimme prayers. So many of our prayers are self-focused. Gimme, 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 gimme. Lord, I need, I need, I need, I need. And prayer isn't just for that. Prayer is for other people. Prayer is to change you, not just get what you need. Um, I will date myself once more, back to the 70s. Anybody hear of Janice Joplin? Oh, Lord. Won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Work hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? (laughs) You know what? Californians I feel sorry for you because there are like no Mercedes Benz in Albuquerque New Mexico okay very few and Porsches and Rolls-Royce man they're everywhere out here your life has got to be so hard so I can't blame you for going gimme 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 I mean everybody else has one of those out here I don't know if you're praying what God wants you to pray for. (laughs) Emphasis. Listen to this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do. And greater works than these he will do. He doesn't want to give you greater things. He wants you to have greater works. He wants you to do more than he did. He wants you to be amazing, God-powered, incredible Christians that can do things, go places, and change the world in Jesus' name. That's what we're supposed to be praying for. Okay, sister back there. Amen. Amen. What are you praying for? Because he said, ask in my name and you will do greater things uh, than raising the dead. I don't know. Uh, Greater things than calming the sea. Can't happen. Greater things than... You fill in the blank of the 37 miracles that Jesus did. And he said, ask, and I will do it. Question. When is the last time you said, Lord, I want me some greater things than these? Oh, man, I, I want you to pray it. I want Calvary Vista women to do it. I want you to go places no women have ever gone in Jesus' name. And I will stand here and do this. Hallelujah, God. Go. Take them. Do it. You know, your comfort zone and what God wants you to do looks like this. Your comfort zone where the magic in Jesus happens you got to get out of your comfort zone because he wants to take you to greater things than these. How about some of them kind of prayers? You know what? God deals in impossibilities. You're here and you're saying impossible. First of all, God is the manufacturer of greater things. You can't make them. He can ask him. He's the manufacturer of greater things. And greater things are achieved by a combination of a lot of little things. And they turn into greater things. So be encouraged. I want to end with this story. About four years ago, I was in the shower. And the Lord gave me this crazy idea. I wonder if I can take spent bullet casings, turn them into brass charms, and help babies impacted by terror crazy. I don't even know why, but I got out of the shower and I Googled and I found out spent bullet casings are everywhere. They're in pallets and boxes and barrels and all kinds of stuff. And before I knew it, I had a thousand pounds of spent bullet casings. I just had to ask now who asks for spent bullet casings. I don't know. So anyway, I got the spent bullet casings, and then I find a jeweler and a designer, and the next thing I know, I'm melting brass bullet casings and making jewelry. And I'm like, okay now, Lord, I have to find babies impacted by terror? I don't even know how to define terror. The UN doesn't. Everybody thinks everybody else is. Um, So (laughs) anyway, uh, Franklin Graham's a friend, I go, Franklin, got these bullets, making them to brass charms, wanna help babies. And he goes, well, you should go to Burma. I don't even know where Burma is. So I look it up. I go, oh, okay. In Burma, Buddhists kill Muslims. And they kill Christians. And before I know it, I had to make a three-day hike into the jungles of Burma. No phones, no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury. Like Robinson Crusoe, there was nothing. (laughs) And I am meeting babies who are running for their lives. In March, I was in Mosul when ISIS was still fighting the troops. I climbed through tunnels that ISIS did outside the city of Karakush. You know, um, Iraq is a Christian nation uh, the prophet from Nineveh. So we have uh, this amazing Christian heritage. Do you know the Christians in Iraq still speak Aramaic, and America? Aramaic is the original language of Jesus that Thomas went to Iraq? So I go to Iraq, and I still don't think you probably know to this day that ISIS was killing Christians. I never thought I'd be alive when we were living in a generation that they were killing Christians and we weren't picketing on the streets trying to stop it. They were beheading children. As a matter of fact, they had to come to the UN and have it declared a genocide. The White House called it a genocide. You know what a genocide means? You kill so many people so quickly that you may eradicate them from where they are. And so, I don't know, I found myself going to find children impacted by terror. Look at this. This is Malibu Barbie. This is not G.I. Jane. Greater things than these. All I did was say, Lord, let me see, can I help orphans and widows? And I'd like some bullets. And I don't know where these people are. But if you send me, I'll go. We have raised over a million dollars, distributed over $800,000. We build playgrounds in IDP camps for children who are traumatized and no longer have parents. We've built 20 playgrounds. I'm going to tell you one story. Um, we were in Mosul And ISIS was still in half of the city, and there's a hospital that's out right in the territory between that. And our team gets to this hospital, and we get to the hospital. There's a little girl crying and screaming for her mother, who was burned on two-thirds of her body. And her mother was burned, too. (laughs) And as we were there in the emergency room, they bring in a little girl, and the little girl has been hit by sniper fire, hits her hip, comes up, and it is literally lodged by her heart right by her heart. And I'm saying, God, I want to help children in the crossfire of terrorism. Help me find kids that are in harm's way. And I get to see a girl with a bullet right by her heart. So we have a team and we're singing and we're going through the male and the female, the kids, boys and girls. And we get to the boys section When some of the explosives go off, uh, the concussion is not just from the explosive. It will literally rattle their brains or break parts of your body just from... There was a little boy that both hands were in a cast. And we're singing, our God is an awesome God. And he's going, boom, 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 with this little cast in the air. A little boy kept crying the whole time we were there. So we asked the guitarist to go over close to the little boy. And he's just trying to play notes and, and and minister to him. And we get up to leave and the little boy starts singing. In kind of that beautiful Arabic, you know, Ah you know how it's different than how we sing? And we turn to the interpreter, they go, What are we singing? He's singing a lullaby to his dead mother. So we're all in the room. We're all doing different things. And I notice this gentleman is sitting by himself on a cot with his back to us. And if you understand Middle Eastern culture, women don't touch men. They don't look him in the eye and things like that. But he is sitting on this cot and the Lord tells me he's having anxiety. And in anxiety, sometimes you feel like the world's just spinning away from you. If you have a dog, you put on a thunder vest. Have you heard of those? It's a heavy vest that will calm the dog down. The Lord says to me, walk over and put your hands on his shoulder and just wait it a little bit. I go, I'm go, i not supposed to touch a man, Lord. I can't go over there and put my hand on his shoulder. He goes, go over there and do that. So I walk over and really, you know, gently put my hands on him and waited a little bit. He starts sobbing, falling apart, sobbing. And the Lord says to me, pray Psalm 23 over him. So I start praying Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. He walks me through valleys, leads me beside still waters. And then the Lord just kept telling me, stand on goodness and mercy will follow me. Goodness and mercy will follow me. So I'm like, okay, Lord, goodness and mercy, I'm just praying it. And an interpreter comes over, and I said, can you just tell him? I was praying for him, and and he's crying, crying, crying. And I go, why are you crying? He says, because in our country we have no mercy no mercy goodness and mercy and he says to me and you're here you're from america and you're a christian and you came here why when we won't even show mercy to ourselves So I told him, I'm praying this ancient scripture over you, my God. And it says that the Lord is my shepherd and he will come and he will care for you. And he's going to take you and he will take you and he will restore your soul. He wants to restore your soul. And he says, Inshallah, in Arabic, that means God's will as it will be as God's will. And I go, oh, no, I'm praying for you. And he says, I have lost all hope. There is no more happiness There is no more happiness. And I said, well, when in that psalm it says the shepherd will restore you, when he restores you, if you follow him, goodness and mercy will follow you. So you start following the shepherd and goodness and mercy and joy and peace and all these things. Be, do not have a troubled mind because goodness and mercy will follow you when you follow the Savior. Oh, this holiday season, do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus prepared a place for you to go. He gave a path to show you the way. He did miracles to prove it. And then he left prayer for you to be able to find release and peace for the anxiety in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these ladies. And you know us, Lord. You know our frames that we are but dust. And you know that we are troubled thinkers. That it's really easy for us to move into worry and stress and anxiety. And I know that's not where you want us to live. Our God's not a God of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And you want these women to have sound minds. And that they need peace. But we cannot have the peace of God until we've made peace with God. That he is the way. Jesus, if there are any women here this evening that don't know you and don't know the way, don't know where you went and how you got there and how they're going to get there, I pray that they would find the way in Jesus Christ tonight. And Lord, I pray for those that are anxious and the enemy has just ripped them off. They're not doing greater things because they can barely get out of bed, barely function because of the depression and fear and anxiety but they experience, Lord, set them free. Those that are free in Jesus are free indeed, Lord. Set the captives free. Put them at liberty, Lord. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. While our heads are bowed, if you're here this evening and you're one of those anxious people and you want Jesus to restore your peace Let not your heart be troubled. If you'd raise your hand, I want to pray for you. I have had fear, depression, and anxiety. I know what you feel like. You can't sleep. You don't function well. You have nightmares. I see so many of you. You're so debilitated by the expectations of others, by comparison, by so many things that hinder you. Lord, I see these hands and I see these ladies and I want them, Lord, in Jesus' name to be delivered. Will you please set them free, Lord? Father, let the peace of God rule their hearts and their minds, Lord. Set up a guard in their hearts. Be the prince of peace. Restore them, Lord. Lead them beside still waters and restore their souls. If there are any ladies here this evening and you have not known Jesus Christ as the way and you don't know peace with God because you never followed him or you're not with him currently, if you want to raise your hand, I'd just like to pray for you to be able to follow Jesus and to find your path to heaven. God bless you. Is there anyone else? God bless you and you. Anyone else? Takes me a minute. The light's bright up here. But just raise your hand if you would like Jesus. To be your wayfinder. There, God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you. You can raise them high. It will help me. God bless you. Anyone else? Oh, it's worth waiting. Best Christmas present ever. This will be like nothing you've ever known. Wonderful counselor. He will counsel you. He will deliver you from drugs. He will deliver you, God bless you, from depression. He will deliver you from anxiety. He will come and be the savior of your finances, the savior of your situation. Is there anybody else that needs to receive Jesus, to follow Jesus and find the way to heaven this holiday season? Just raise your hand. I see you, sweetheart. Lord, thank you for these. Thank you, Lord. You came to save the world of their sin. It is a holy night, not just now, not just 2,000 years ago, Lord. Lord, I thank you for these women. If you raised your hand, if you would just say this prayer in your heart, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for trying to find my own way. Become the way become the truth, become the life in my life. Jesus, I surrender to you. I want you to be the Lord over all, over the mess, over the past, over the future, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.